Welcome back, everyone, to another, another, another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Uh, I have some exciting just updates. I'm excited about the content we're going to uh, we're going to share. It has been an interesting turn of events, especially within the political realm, uh, looking at uh, not only what's going on in the Democratic primary, but also looking at some of the political uh, moves that Trump uh, is engaging in uh, from his um, now kind of pitch toward black voters to the possibility of a Bloomberg presidency uh, to even the possibility of a Tom Steyer uh, presidency, uh, what that would mean, unfortunate uh, shooting in Milwaukee, and then Disney uh, CEO uh, Bob uh, stepping down, Bob Iger. I look forward to engaging with you. Uh, Stay tuned. Monica Alba goes on to write uh, that Trump, President Trump's re-election campaign has announced that it is planning to open 15 community centers in critical battleground states next month aimed at boosting African-American support heading into the 2020 election. These new retail style spaces are technically field offices staffed by Trump victory. The joint committee between the campaign and the Republican National Committee and will be located in high traffic areas where black voters can walk in and learn about the president's agenda last time it was what the blank do you have to lose now we're going to show them what they've gained from president donald trump and what more they could gain if they get four more years said white house senior advisor jared kushner who continues to play a key role in the campaign's strategic decisions these locations for the black voices for trump space include detroit milwaukee philadelphia miami charlotte and atlanta Notably, in all their top-tier targeted states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida, North Carolina, and Georgia. Some of my thoughts. So, I mean, uh, like all politicians, when it comes to election, all politicians pander toward the communities that they want turnout from and and a greater turnout from. So uh, to say that this is an evil plan would be far-fetched, far-fetching and a stretch because they all do it. Now, (laughs) to set up specifically these field offices uh, as a way to uh, provide insight and basically recruit um, is something uh, different. And in times past, politicians just made promises and obviously didn't come through on their promises. Uh, Taking the step further by saying, no, I'm actually implementing a true facility and I want you to see, you know, it firsthand is a great marketing whether you agree with his politics or not uh i think from a marketing standpoint that's profound um and uh innovative uh from a personal standpoint i think it's uh really placating toward um support without true connection true heart true loyalty and true care yes has from an economic standpoint, things improved, but to what avail? It's hard because, yes, unemployment is at an all-time low. Uh, basically, a U.S. Uh, historic low, probably uh, in the last 50 years, it's without debate. But what, who are being employed? What type of jobs? I think when you get into the granular effects, it becomes a little bit more foggy. And maybe one would say, well, that's too much. You're You're trying to find something you're not really... Uh, being honest and you're not really taking a true objective approach. Uh, but I do think that this 
is taking pandering to the next level. I am impressed with the fact that at least there is a plan to pander and more than just verbiage. Uh, and having the resources to do so is another amazing thing because where are these resources stemming from? Uh, but I want to see more than advertisement. Uh, whoever becomes president or whatever happens uh, in 2020, I think implementation of tangible results has to be the focus. And I know, you know, this This is the main purpose of the new brick and mortar initiative mirror those of the White House, including an emphasis on criminal justice reform, which the first step back, you cannot deny uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges, universities, school choice and entrepreneurship. If that is going to be his aim or the cards that he's playing, then I think he has to take a step further in criminal justice. I think he has to make a bold agenda move. I understand he guaranteed fund, but by reducing Pell Grants, that really wasn't the... It's like he, he, he gave this, but he took away that. And the reality is most uh, students who attend HBCUs receive their funding from Pell Grants. So taking away that to give this is kind of like uh, letting the horse out of the barn from the back door. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think there has to be a, a definite and definitive focus on how to really help HBCUs, how to bring the adequate resources uh, without it becoming a controlled state in a sense, uh, because obviously if you're going to dump that much into a institution, there's going to be influence, major influence, and, and probably rightfully so. Uh, so really pushing education as a true agenda item, uh, really having a strategic plan with HBCUs. Uh, and I think you do that, first of all, by removing Bessie DeVos and putting someone who's actually taught in education and actually has a heart for education. And he could. If it was really Trump's aim to be the uh, president for the black community, he really could push that narrative and push it and push it hard. And he would really take away uh, from the left. But I think his aim and that's what I said, the aim and the heart or, or the, or the mind and the heart have to be in sync. And right now it's misfiring. There's a misstep there. So if that's the focus, then really create this reform, be bold, be unapologetically bold and ruffle feathers. And then you will say, well, you know, it still doesn't erase all the, the horrible stuff that was said and done and things like Haiti and, <clears throat> you know, restricting, uh, immigration and things of that nature uh, and the wall and the border is, you know, crisis that doesn't take away from those horde events. But what it will do, it will start a conversation that maybe we need to look at some other factors. Uh, so that's kind of my take uh, on the black voices from Trump. Uh, I guess campaign is what is kind of being labeled black voices for Trump. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, so we'll see how this goes and see how it plays out. The possibility of a Bloomberg presidency uh, is quite interesting as Bloomberg is gaining increasing momentum. Uh, and even though he's had uh, terrible debate performances, not because of incompetence or or lack of knowledge, but because of his track record. And that's really where he's getting the most scrutiny from. There is growing awareness because he is he is centered enough to not be a leftist quote-unquote so he would not fall into the the category of democratic socialist 
he's almost more conservative than Joe Biden. So his appeal toward center right leaning individuals or right leaning individuals is there. And uh, obviously the the, you know, former uh, just, I think, traditional, you know, male uh you know that that whole i think sexist agenda is honestly uh i think playing a for his favor which is terrible and i think that misogynistic uh uh ideology that is so steeped in america or, or just in global politics as a whole is working against um viable candidates like like kamala harris when she was uh, still being considered and are uh, still in the campaign race and senator elizabeth warren uh Mike Bloomberg uh, is drawing his scrutiny for his unique torrent of spending. Uh, Benji Sarling goes on to write that the influence of his philanthropic and political donations, his record as mayor of the nation's largest city and as a billionaire CEO. It's something about that B word. You know, there's a lot of B words out there, but billionaire is probably the most powerful B word because it literally places you in a different category. It's like, yeah, you might be rich, but I'm a billionaire, you know, because we have never had a trillionaire. So we don't know what that would emphatically feel like, though uh, it seems like Jeff Bezos is well on his way. To be a billionaire is like virtually I can't go broke. Uh, that I don't know if it's allure or aura or maybe it's just that the common person wants the same maybe status in some way, shape or form leads to this false credibility that he can get things done. And that's kind of what's pushing. And I'm not saying he can't. And I'm not ignoring I'm not ignoring um, his past record as mayor. You can't ignore stop and frisk. You can't ignore uh, how volatile it was toward black and brown communities. And even though in its trial, it said that 90 percent of the stops and frisk were to some extent humane. But there was 10 percent that it was very inhumane. Uh, to be randomly stopped and frisked doesn't seem humane, but okay. Uh, you can't ignore what it did, but you also, in a very sardonic way, can't ignore the results that it brought. It's it's like you're caught between the devil and the witch. Uh, I think Bloomberg is that X factor, that dark horse that you didn't see coming. I, I didn't see it coming, you know. And his appeal is because he's pretty much mainstream. He'll keep everything the same without rocking the boat on either side. And when there is so much tearing and so much division and so much uh, instability, stability or stableness becomes uh, the dessert of choice. And in this case, he looks like a cheesecake. He looks like a cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. And it's appealing because... We don't we know what a cheesecake tastes like. You know, we don't know what like apple mud pie, you know, you know, whatever. Like we don't know what this other extreme is. And we're competent or we're confident in his in his competence. Uh, So I think that's kind of working for him. Uh, Brought us something on issue after issue animating the 2020 race, healthcare, taxes, housing, climate, guns, even reigning in Wall Street. The campaign stated plans resemble those of a center left Democrat while showing little signs of his roots as a Republican office holder, who was very critical at times of President Barack Obama. I I think that Bloomberg understands what America is and what it isn't and what it is becoming. And like I said, he will do what is necessary to 
provide that gradual and incremental shift, and it will be gradual and incremental if he were to win the presidency. Um, during Bloomberg's um, mayoral tenure, he was a critic of Obama, uh, of Obama Air Wall Street reforms, a vocal proponent of conservative arguments um, like expanding loans to poor communities. Bloomberg's new Wall Street plan praises the Dodd-Frank Act, promises to enforce its provisions more aggressively and calls for financial transaction tax. He stops short of left-leaning plans by Senator Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to stock corporate boards with workers and aggressively break up large companies. Obviously, because that would affect him the most. You know, that affects his pockets. Uh, and I think that placing on um, corporate boards, workers, the average human beings, the, you know, the day-to-day grinders, I think is a, is a great thing because it gives a voice to the voiceless. Um, I think what has to be understood is that nobody, Sanders and Warren, who are probably the most left-leaning ones on the Democratic side, are not calling for, or is not, not are not, but is not calling for a revolution. I think Mayor P. Buttigieg stated it wrong when he said revolutionary policies of the 1960s. Uh, That brings up a lot of things because, if anything, the revolutionary policies of the 1960s was really fighting for uh, racial justice and societal peace and really started uh, going down like the feminist mystique, I believe, came out in 1968. Uh, So to say that is to say you know that ethnic harmony is not an, is not important uh you know i i think that it's a it's it's bringing the appropriate tool to do the job is understanding that this tree of evil has to be cut down and to me the only candidates that have the gravitas and the boldness to do that and this is my take my take is is senator uh, sanders or senator warren i think joe has the ability but will he sometimes i sometimes victory creates cloudiness and i think he's more to me at least it seems like he's more impressed about or he's more concerned with becoming president than being president uh and bloomberg who is who would actually do a fairly decent job? The economy would still do well, if not better. And yet he would give both he would give the left and the right what they want to some degree. So uh, a, a Bloomberg pres- presidency is not terrible. It is not horrid. It is not horrible. It's not even negative. It's just are you ready for politics being taken out of politicians' hands? And some might answer and say yes. Politicians screw things up. Uh, even though he was a politician as, as mayor, you know, but he's really known for being the CEO of Bloomberg, right? Uh, so are you ready for really corporate interests playing a bigger role? Are you ready for, um, the almighty dollar, you know, reigning supreme? Are you ready for a very corporate look into legislation? And that's something that we have not had. Not even with this current presidency, it's still not corporate because Trump's not corporate. Businesses and corporate are, are different. They're, they're similar, but they're not the same. And that is something that I think has to really be found out and understood. Um, the article goes on to write that he's not particularly pushing the envelope on anything. A fellow at the Progressive Roosevelt Institute said the Bloomberg's plan at a time and really mattered his vocal opposition to Dodd-Frank really made things harder. On his taxes, he has proposed $5 trillion dollars. 
Uh, and an urban policy professor at New York University, former advisor to Bloomberg, said that the former mayor's shift on economic issues reflects not only his new role as a national candidate, but also growing concerns about inequality in the years since the 2008 financial crisis. When you're the mayor of New York, you're going to be very concerned with the stability of financial services industry, he said. There's no virtue in living in the past or in the consistency if the challenges are different. So like I said, his presidency would actually not be that bad. Um, it you know it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not even close to it. It would actually be pretty um i think stable. I think he would enact a very realness to the White House what I mean by that Bloomberg's not going to be you know mr personality <laughs> you you will see a a very tight fist on things, but he will also govern. It like a corporation, and that can be good and bad. What about a Tom Steyer presidency? Um, Democrats says they begin to lose patience with the size of the 2020 presidential primary field. One candidate could be poised to seize attention with an unexpected finish on Saturday. Tom Steyer, the Californian activist billionaire, again, the B word, who has largely been a non-factor in the primary campaign so far, is on track to finish in the top three. In South Carolina's contest, according to recent polls, potentially depriving former Vice President Joe Biden of the strong finish he needs to reclaim momentum. Many Democrats eyeing the general election are eager for underperforming candidates to get out of the way. But few have provoked more annoyance than Steyer, who has invested particularly heavily in South Carolina with a focus on racial justice. I think that's. I think the focus for Tom Steyer is he is the good billionaire. You know, he's not the Bruce Wayne, which Bloomberg, I guess if he was younger, would be more like Bruce Wayne, maybe, you know. But um, Steyer's like, hey, yeah, I'm rich, but I want to help the world. And he's kind of and he has that good West Coast Californian vibe that L.A. like, you know, you know, my ties and margaritas and, you know, tank tops. Uh, with vans on, you know, it kind of gives you that Beach Boy, you know, <laughs> swag. And I think that's his appeal because he might actually be harmless and harmless right now seems like the middle of the day, you know, so uh, but harmless and effective are two different things. I think he has a great plan. I think he's really committed to climate change. I think his focus on climate change is uh, existentially greater than the other candidates. I think that uh, he will enact uh, fair housing legislation faster and more equitable, understanding that we need a rent law. Uh, I think Tom Steyer sees it from, yeah, I might be rich, but I'm not detached from society point of view. And that honestly is not bad. Tom Steyer is impressive. Tom Steyer needs better to me uh, strategists in his campaign. He needs to be able to partner with people who can give him a voice. And I think that's where he's kind of losing his, the footing is in the people that are backing him. But if you really listen to Tom Steyer, Tom isn't that bad, right? Uh, I think Tom Steyer's weakness is, can you be enamored by him? You know, uh, he gives you kind of that, that Jimmy Carter feel, you know, but can you fall in love with Tom Steyer? And, you know, I, I don't know that that's up to the voter. I think Steyer uh, cares and cares deeply, uh, but can he 
can he be strategic enough to knock off uh, the front runners? Because right now, I think people recognize his genuineness, uh, his genuineness, uh, not genuineness, but genuineness. Uh, people recognize his sincerity. People recognize his heart, his devotion. I think people recognize uh, his brilliancy and his ideas and understanding of what needs to be done. But is his strategy really felt? Can Do people really believe in, in Steyer? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Um, they feel like Steyer, you know, wasn't even a second tier candidate. He was like a third if not fourth. He was like with Cory Booker and Castro and was on that level. And he just basically stayed in because he can afford it. And I think that's the vibe that the party is is basically, you know, sending the waves and the energy that they're sending is this kind of like, hey, we'll just keep putting up with this. Uh, but the fact of the matter is sometimes you need that disruptor. You know, no longer is uh, Andrew Yang part of the campaign race. No longer is Kamala Harris, no longer is Castro, no longer is Cory Booker. Uh, you know, the other, you know, 20 that decided, <laughs> uh, you know, and is really is narrowed down to, uh, Biden, Bernie, Warren, Pete, and Steyer, uh, and probably four instead of the five is really four. Uh, so I, I really believe that if Steyer is serious, uh, he has to make a strong stance in South Carolina. If he does not, if he finishes in last or second to last, I think Steyer has to call it quits. If he finishes in the top three, I think he has a fighting chance because if he can win South Carolina, he can do well in the Bible Belt. That says a lot. So uh, I really want to see, you know, kind of what this primary results are going to be. Uh, hats off to the Steyer campaign. Unfortunate tragic news about another shooting uh, in the United States, uh, this time in Milwaukee. Uh, Doha Madani goes on the right. The five people have been killed in a shooting at the Molson Coors headquarters in Milwaukee. Uh, police presence is on the scene at the beer company Miller Coors campus. Uh, in a statement on Twitter, the Milwaukee Police Department asked people to stay clear of the area. Five employees of the old Miller Brewery were killed in a shooting but were not identified. The shooter, a 51-year-old Milwaukee man, died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, Molson Coors, which owns both the Coors and Miller beer brands, said it is aware of the active situation and Milwaukee facility is working with authorities. It's sad. You never want to hear um, this at all in any way, shape, or form. Your, my heart and thoughts and prayers goes out to uh, the victims, uh, the five people that were harmed and slain in this incident, this tragic incident. Uh, and also, I think there needs to be an understanding that um, we need to be grateful for every moment that we have upon this earth. Um, and I think this also states that, hey, we do need to do something about guns. Yes, can one argue that anybody, you know, can take something and use it in a, a way that can cause devastation and violence? That is absolutely correct. But if this incident, you know, if 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 there was more restriction on guns, could this have been prevented? I think you have to look at it as a prevention or deterrency more than a uh, probability uh, situation. Uh, so, you know, definitely thinking about the community of Milwaukee. Uh, I know the, the workers are sh shook up. You know, you never want to be a part or hear anything of that. Um, and it just is just it's terrible. Uh, so we want to keep, you know, our thoughts and prayers with uh the five victims, the, their families, their their loved ones, uh, the Molson Coors Company, 
uh, and just really, I think there has to be a focus on total gun reform, that this is not uh, a playing issue. It's interesting that I can own a car. I have to have insurance on the car. I have to get the car manually checked. Uh, I have to go get my license renewed every so many years. The car has to pass emissions, uh, but it seems like once you pass, get your FOIA card, or in some states you just need your ID uh, with a gun, everything is just, you know, okay. Uh, so uh, another incident that we really have to take a deeper look into. Disney CEO Bob Iger has decided to step down. Uh, he's a Garcia Hodges and Dylan Byers. Uh, go on to state that the CEO stepping down is a move that has sent immediate shockwaves through the media industry that basically Bob has shaped in the last or in the recent years. Iger's move uh, is effective immediately. He'll stay on as executive chairman through December 2021 and continue to direct Disney's content creation, arguably the most important role at the company. Bob Chapek, head of Disney's lucrative parks unit, is the company's new chief executive officer. A job that has been sought after by at least half a dozen of Iger's current and former deputies. Iger was named president and COO of Disney in 2000 and became CEO in 2005, taking over from Michael Eisner, whose tenure was ended by a shareholder revolt led by Roy E. Disney, nephew of the company's founder, Walt Disney, who wanted to shake up the company's management. I think the stepping down is Bob is understanding the, the sign of the tides. He is still going to be in leadership as executive chairman so ultimately he will have a say but i think it's i don't have to have say in the day-to-day -day operations um people evolve you know he's been ceo since 2005 15 years you know on the job of ceo 20 years well i probably more than that, he was named president and ceo in 2000 so you figure out he's he's already committed 20 years uh and is expected to stay on the 2021 i think it's just an evolutionary uh chain of events i think he's just understanding he's transitioning out and he didn't want a hard pull out and he wanted to make sure that the company would be intact that they would not lose creative aim direction and shareholder value and by staying on he can ensure that and he stayed on in a way in the capacity that would make sure there was still stability within the company and with its shareholders uh so and not just the shareholders but it's also corporate aims uh so this was a i think a strategic move bob Iger. i think did this out of the understanding of the universe that Disney creates. And this is very interesting. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Bob Iger is, is doing the right thing. Uh, when you've been in leadership for over 20 years and you're looking for a way to create transition in the most peaceful way to ensure that the vision that you and your constituents, your team has put together will still be implemented and that the goal and the course of Disney will not be deterred or dwindled uh, by just a mishap or mistake. Uh, so this is a very effective strategy. All right, that's all the time I have. I appreciate sharing all this content. Look, connect with me on Instagram, CVMK33. I love bringing you content. Let me know what you want me to cover. But until next time, thanks.